The KC Legend Show on Sports Radio 810 WHB. Live from Hollywood Casino at Kansas Speedway, here's your host, Sterling Holmes. Welcome into the KC Legend Show live at Hollywood Casino at Kansas Speedway. We will be here from 6 until 7 p.m. Every Monday from 6 to 7, we'll be here live with special guests, former Chiefs players, getting their inside perspectives on their career, the past Chiefs game, and a look ahead to the upcoming one. Well, not upcoming this week as the Chiefs are on a bye. We'll get a season overview here. Tonight's special guest is former Chiefs tight end Keith Cash. Keith, how are you? I'm good. I'm great. I mean, you're lucky. We got we, we to gotta win. Coming off of a win, as, as, as long as we, as I'm coming in after a win, it's all good. You're not coming off uh, to the loss to the to the Broncos. Oh uh, you're going into a bye. This is an easy one for you. It is. Yeah, it it is. Vibes are high. You know, everyone's feeling good. We're seven and two, and the offense hasn't been playing well. God, I think we're in a good spot. Who would have thought the defense would be carrying the team? I mean, and, and that's what I think the holdup is right now. I think the holdup is the Chiefs are sitting here seven and two, top of the AFC, and that is normal. Everything seems normal record-wise as you head into the bye, but then folks have this little feeling, this uneasiness, because it's done completely different than in past years. You have the offense that's actually struggling, and you saw the first drive, first drive against Miami, and you're sitting here going, okay, the Chiefs are back, offense is back, that is a vintage uh, vintage Mahomes drive, and then they stalled. Let's start with the offense first here, Keith. What is going on? You know, there's a lot, there seems to be something every week. You know, one week it's the maybe the offense line isn't giving Patrick the protection he needs. Then maybe there's some drop balls. I have another theory on this thing. So in a lot of the games, they start pretty quick, yeah. right? Go down, get a field goal, get a touchdown. And I think it's because the first 10, 20 plays are scripted. Yep. So you go through this script, and you're trying to figure out what's working, what's not going to work, and then you go off script, and coaches start calling plays. And that, and I don't even know who's calling the plays. Is, sure. it, is it Reed or is it is it Beggy? Sure. Who knows? But anyways, I think they go off script, and that's when it seems like we're struggling, which kind of leads me to believe that maybe it's Nagy that's calling the plays. Sure. I don't know. It, it, is some of it, too, the receivers? Because this is what I found out. Uh, at least that's my, my thought process here. We heard it earlier on in the year in regards to Justin Ross. I, I liken it to, let's just say basketball, because I think it's the easiest terminology here. Some guys are very good at creating their shot in the flow of the game. Some guys, let's say James Harden, right? Mm-hmm. Very good, step back, one-on-one, he can he can do anything. Right. But when it comes to actually getting a play drawn, let's say Kyle Korver. That's a, that's a guy who has to get his number called, right? Sure, the play sure. is called for him, he gets it done. Right. But as far as just one-on-one, he's not going to be your first option. Right. It seems to me like the Chiefs' wide receivers right now have a lot of guys that need their number called. The play needs to be designed for them. They're not quite the ability to get open. They're not quite the ability to, in the flow of the game, call their own number. Are you seeing any of that here? I think so. I think that's part of it. Some of it is getting uh, comfortable in the offense. When you have guys that are in the with Patrick in this offense for, you know, two years, uh, three years. You, you, you t- tend to figure it out by then. Yeah. So a lot of these guys just aren't getting the separation. And if you think about plays getting called, uh, Travis gets his. Sure. Whether it's called or not. So you got to figure out outside of the design of the play, what is Patrick doing? How am I going to get open? Yeah. And I think that's what Travis does quite a bit. Yeah. They can read each other and they kind of know where each other's going. He doesn't have that with his other receivers yet. I think he'll get it. Uh, we better figure it out here pretty quick. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, like I said, man, we're 7-2. and two. Yeah. 
all the stars are aligned. We're right where we should be, right where we thought we'd be. Yeah. So, you know, all's good. Yeah. Former Chiefs tight end Keith Cash is our guest right here the KC Legend Show. I do want to talk about Travis Kelsey. Again, tight end to tight end. You can understand in, in what you're seeing from him, and, and probably the analysis better than just us, us normal folk over here. You know the insight to the game here. What does he do? The intangibles and the tangibles. What, st- what separates him from the rest of the NFL? I think that his athleticism, his ability to read defenses and react to the defenses before they set up on him, I think that he has a good a knack for finding gaps, finding holes, manipulating defensive players, and he has this uncanny ability to always be in the right place at the right time. And he holds on to the ball. That's yes. a big part of it, too. If uh, he's, he's just thinking uh, a lot further ahead than, than other players might yeah. be. Yeah, the hand strength on that one, uh, was it two weeks ago, three weeks ago, was just absurd. Yes. I have no idea how that ball did not the over get. The over-the-head, yes. over-the-head uh, touchdown. Zero yeah, idea how crazy. to get popped out. That's crazy. I, for all the positives, this is not necessarily a negative against Travis, but sometimes the offense, as you mentioned, he's very good at reading the defense, setting them up, and they have that little mind meld between Mahomes and Travis Kelsey. At times... Is Mahomes so focused on Travis Kelsey, whether that's a lack of trust from the rest of the receivers or it's just because he knows that Kelsey will eventually get open, but he does seem very focused, and by the time he goes through his second and third and then fourth read, it's too late because he's been focused on Kelsey for so long. I don't think he's focused on Kelsey at all. I think really? that's where he ends up having to go with the ball. Uh, I think that the the receivers are struggling to get separation. Yeah. Why else wouldn't he throw it? I sure. mean, he, could, he throws the ball. He could throw dimes. When guys are not open, and he's, they're open to him, so he'll throw it. Sure. Uh, I think that there's something to be said about someone that is always open, the security blanket. Uh, does he force it to him at times? Yeah, because he thinks he's going to catch it. Yeah. And he has that much trust in him. I think if you look at the receivers, I'm not sure how much trust he has in those guys. He'll say that he does, <laughs> uh, but the proof is in when things get hot, when things get tight, who are you going to throw it to? How do you, as a receiver, as a tight end, get separation? I, I, I'm not saying because what we've seen right now is obviously there's something missing. Something is it something you can work on? Is it a lack of athleticism? Is it a lack of uh, experience? How do these guys eventually go from being blanketed to trying to get a little opening here? I think it's all those things. You know, I think at the end of the day. Like we were talking about earlier, the first they're open the first 10, 20 plays. Sure. <laughs> and then, then we get back to thinking about the game and how it's supposed to work, and, and, and guys aren't as open. Uh, is it the defenses uh, seeing them at game speed and they somehow adjust to that? I don't know. But it seems to me, as a tight end trying to get open, is a little different than a receiver. Yeah. Tight end, you don't need space. We have big bodies. We kind of post people up and catch the ball. Yeah. Uh, receivers, some of those bigger receivers are like that as well. Uh, I don't know if we have any on this roster that are that are playing right now, but no. uh, you know it's just different. And I think that um, these guys need to be open and they need to start catching the ball. Yeah. And uh, I think play design is part of it. You know, getting these guys and things that they are comfortable with. Uh, I look at in years past, who are the guys that have stepped up? You have McKinnon. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not sure he's getting used as much as he has been in years past. 
Uh, I really like this Rice kid. I think once he figures it out, yeah. uh, I think he's going to be dynamic because once he gets the balls in his ha- the ball in his hands, uh, he makes something happen. Yeah, I mean that foot hits the ground. Once he catches it, he is straight football running back trying to score. Uh, I like Tony. You know, yeah. he's dropped some balls this year, but my goodness, when the ball gets in his hands, he's dynamic. Well, you saw the play, the little slant. Yeah. They used him as a receiver and not just as a gadget player. They used right. him as a receiver. That slant, it was beautiful. Yeah. I mean, just the ability to, in space, you think you are, you're in congested area right there, and yep. he's able to make dudes miss yep. and then drag them. The physicality stood yes. out. Yes. And then that was it. I mean, even Scott Moore in the first half looked good. Two yeah. two targets, two yeah. catches. Yeah. Um, you know, Rasheed Rice, as we're talking about, looked good in the first half and then disappeared. Yeah. Again, going back to what you're saying, design plays look good, and then it stalls. Then it stalls. Uh, Keith Cash is our guest as we are here live at Hollywood Casino at the Kansas Speedway. I want to talk about something that happened in 1994. We're going back. You're the first touchdown of the game against the Houston Oilers in that 1994 divisional round playoff game. Walk us through that here. So, first of all, I had some anger issues in my youth when I spiked the ball against Buddy Ryan's head. Oh, we'll talk about that. There was some. <laughs> <laughs> there was uh, God, one of those Nimrods. Um, uh, they were talking about knocking Joe out and, yeah. and just a lot of talk and and. Uh, who was the Nimrod coach? Ryan, Ryan, Buddy Ryan. Um, he just, I, you know, back then he was talking about hits on players and all sure. of that stuff. And, you know, in my mind, man, they're trying to take out my quarterback. So that was one of those moments where uh, they beat the heck out of us earlier in the year by 20, 30-something points. And then we come back and we have this opportunity to right the ship. And, uh, you know, a lot of people, I don't even know what the line was at that time, but probably pretty close to double digits. And... Man, we just came out fired up and ready to play. Uh, Warren Moon was running for his life. Uh, it was just the experience of a lifetime. Yeah. Uh, I, I love the quote you had after you threw the ball at, at, at the the face, the, the banner there. I think your quote was, I saw it as I was crossing the goal line. It was just impulse. I let it fly. I let it fly. <laughs> That's exactly what it was. Is that still true? Again, Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I, yeah. Was, I mean, we went into that game. Angry, and you talk about bulletin board material. They were talking so much trash that we took it personal. We were going to take it to them at some point. We, uh, I don't know what flipped in that game, but there was something in that game that we got the momentum and we just started wearing them out. Yeah, Run, running it down their doggone throats. Yeah, Grunny talks about it a lot in his book, and that and that's why how I remember this originally was Grunny was talking about how he wants to stick it to Buddy Ryan. Yes. Well, what's interesting, though, is you know they talk about the injury and trying to potentially take out guys, yeah. right? Yeah. You get fined for that. You get suspended now in the NFL. Was that fairly common practice back then? Was that still a little uh, taboo? You know what? You never tried to hurt anybody. Or I never sure, tried to hurt anybody, sure. but at the end of the day, I'm sure a lot of players, if I can get, not hurt them too bad, but maybe knock them out for the sure. week. Sure, uh, I'm gonna knock them out if I can get under Joe's chin. And I mean, that's what that's what. Uh, sure. uh, a couple weeks later, we played the Buffalo Bills, and they ended up knocking out Joe. You got a better chance to win, and yeah. it's no different than than it is now. Uh, a lot of the guys that really matter are pretty protected right now, though. <laughs> you can't get to those quarterbacks like you used to. Well, what do you think about some of those rules, though? I know Art Steele was very um, 
very strong, strong yes. thoughts in yes. regards to that. But yes. obviously, you're, you're you're tied in. You're, you're kind of in the middle ground here, right? You're the middle ground. So, I think it's gone too far. You sure. obviously want to protect the quarterbacks. No one wants to see those guys get hurt. Or you get a lot of players like we have today. We have the the, the Chicago quarterback, whatever his name yeah. is. You have uh, Dobbs, who uh, uh, was starting on one team, went to another <laughs> team, and, and is playing uh, and winning games. But no one wants to see those guys. Yeah, you want to see Patrick Mahomes. You want to see Aaron Rodgers. These are the guys that you want to see. That's what they. That's why they get the big bucks. And you have to protect them. But there are some rules that it's like, and you see it every week. Uh, whether it's a guy falling on a quarterback with sure. his body weight, you know, no intent to hurt the guy. No, but just tackling him. How do you stop a three hundred and thirty pound <laughs> guy from falling hard? He's yes. gonna fall hard. Period. <laughs> it's a tree. Uh, but he's not. Uh, you know, as long as he's not driving him into the ground, yeah. it's just not a. I don't know. I think I've been the, uh, you know, Chris Jones who who gets after the quarterback and has been penalized for some of this stuff. Yeah. Uh, just makes me cringe just because he's, they're doing everything they're supposed to do, everything they've been taught to do. And, you know, because of a, uh, a zebra's uh, judgment, yep. uh, gets flagged. And sometimes it's at very inopportune times that it hurts. Yeah. Uh, just since you brought up Chris Jones and some of the penalties in inopportune times, yeah. <laughs> man, I love Chris Jones. He, he's yep. a game wrecker. Yep. He, he deserves the money he's getting paid. Obviously, he is such a difference. Even when he's not putting up the stats, it's because sure. he's getting doubled, and that opens up for Charles Aminahu, Mike Dana, Karloftis, and the rest to get after the quarterback. Turk yep. Wharton got after this week. Right. Um, but that penalty, I know it's hard because we're not – in the game. It's very easy to say to sit on your couch, and when it's very physical, emotions are running high, yeah. it's very easy to say, I would never do that. Right. But in that moment, it led to at least four points, sure. potentially seven if they missed a field goal there, because mm-hmm. it was not a chip shot there. Right. How do you keep your emotions in check? Because Chris Jones, obviously, he gets very feisty in games. We've seen it time and time again. But he's been penalized time and time again. And I'm sure he's been yeah. sat down by Spags and Andy and sure. the like. Sure. How, how do you try and reel that back in? I think it's a fine line between, between reeling it in and not. A guy at some point says to say, I'm not going to hurt my team. Yeah. And I'm going to get you back. I'm not going to get you back right this <laughs> second, but I'm going to get you back. You know, that's that's what we did. I remember coming, uh, Neil Smith coming off the field and someone had cut him, one of the uh, tight ends probably, or sure. maybe a tackle. <laughs> and he was mad coming off the field, and he said, Keith, so I have to do it back to their players. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I have to a find picture, a right? defensive end. <laughs> yeah, it's the same thing. I have to find a defensive end, and I have to cut him. Yeah. Because Neil's watching. Derek's watching. <laughs> so I have to send that message that, hey, man, protect us. Yeah. You can play hard without going after people's knees and that sure. sort of thing. Um, but back to Chris Jones. He is a monster. Uh, I think it's that big kid playing against little kids, how he throws people around. I think that's part of why he gets uh, uh, caught. It's kind of like the big center in basketball that sure. gets called for fouls because uh, he's the biggest guy. He's knocking yeah. people around. Uh, Chris Jones, obviously, he knows that he can't do that. He can't put himself in a position where it's going to hurt, te- hurt our team, uh, extend the drive. You know, more times than not, it's not a problem, but... You know, he needs to keep his emotions in check. Yeah. Keith Cash is our guest as we heard live at Hollywood Casino at Kansas Speedway. I want to talk about the block punt that set up Joe Montana 
Joe Montana to Tim Barnett, as we were actually talking yeah, about. Yeah. Uh, and you're still friends with Tim, so did, did this all start because of, of that block punt, your your, your friendship, friendship with Tim Barnett? No, no, no. I still don't like him too much. <laughs> you know, but he's, he's all right. So, you know, the funny thing is on that play, there was a, I think he caught a fourth down pass, touchdown pass right at the end of the game to extend it to overtime. And I was targeted like a play earlier, and I got grabbed by the defensive linebacker that was covering me. So Tim would be irrelevant had I caught that <laughs> ball and fell into the end zone. But, do you uh, let him know that? Do you, do you, oh, all the time. Yeah. All the time. I let him know, you know, I blocked the punt. I'll let you get some shine. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, great dude, great play by, by Joe. I think he was the – you know, back of the end zone, he was probably a third read on that play. So just stayed alive. And, you know, Tim was that big receiver, big, big bodied receiver yeah. that, that, that we don't seem to have now. Uh, but man, Montana was fantastic. It was against my old team, the Pittsburgh Steelers, yes. who ended up letting me go. So that was special. Uh, my brothers were on the sidelines, yes. which was pretty <laughs> doggone cool. My, my twin and, and, uh, uh, my older brother. So it was just a special day, special moment. I remember it like it was yesterday. When it comes to, let's say, the Steelers, for example, letting you go, right? Mm-hmm. Um, what is that like? Like Raheem Mostart, he, he keeps a list of teams that have cut him, didn't give him a chance, right? Sure. You know, I guess the Steelers, to an extent, they, they gave you a chance for one year. Right. Right, but they still... Which a little something extra there, though. You, sure. You're trying to prove them wrong. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're on that list for you. Well, for me, it's a little bit different. They are definitely the team that gave me my start. Yeah. I was drafted by the Washington Redskins, ended up getting released, picked up by then. They taught me how to play tight end because the, 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 the Redskins, they won the Super Bowl that year that I got drafted, yeah. and I didn't make that team. Um, so having a team that would – teach me the ins and outs of playing tight end man i'm forever grateful for that but again they had the chance to sign me and yes. they didn't so <laughs> i gotta i gotta i gotta try to show out in that game <laughs> and you and, got him uh, back and i got him back there you go again keith cash is our guest right here as we're live at hollywood casino now, now talk about how you ended up going from this there's they didn't bring you back mm-hmm. then you go to kansas city what was that process like well, choosing Getting chosen yep. by the Chiefs. Yep. So Plan B free agency is how I got over here. I know that the, the Plan B was another form of free agency where you can protect so many guys, and then the last seven, eight guys of the roster, uh, you know, you can go out and, and shop your services somewhere else. So, um, gosh, I don't know why I picked Kansas City. I'm pretty sure that they put a couple of more. I'm not going to say I'm not going to say millions, but a couple more hundreds of dollars on, on top of that, a couple more thousand dollars. Uh, but you know, proximity to Texas, you know, direct flights, all mm-hmm. that stuff plays a part in it. And I knew uh, from a tight end perspective, they were looking for someone that wasn't just a big blocking tight end. Even though that's what I turned into <laughs> once I got here, more blocking than receiving. Uh, but they told me that they would find ways to give me the ball. Yeah. So so that that, that, that was the pitch right there. A couple, the couple more thousand, and we're going to find ways to get you the exactly. ball. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Are you glad? I mean, obviously, you look back now, you're glad you, you, you yeah. chose Kansas City. Absolutely. Would you have done it the same? Would you have done it the same? I think so. I mean, we, I had a handful of teams that, that, that wanted me to come play for them. Uh, Minnesota was one. Uh, 
Washington wanted me back, which is kind of funny. Uh, Houston, uh, but at the end of the day, I looked at, you know, rosters. You sure. Trying to look at the rosters and, and how you fit in. And I wouldn't change a thing. I mean, this is where I've made my home. Uh, you know, raised my kids here, yeah. got married here, uh, have great friends here, and, uh, I wouldn't change a thing. The fans here are fantastic. Uh, the way they treat you when you do finish is, yeah. is second to none. Well, we've heard that from so many former players. Kansas City seems to be a place where players, when they retire, want to settle down. Now, I don't know if that's the same all around the NFL, right? But just because we're here in Kansas City, maybe we have a little better or a, a more focused viewpoint on this. But it does. You don't hear players say, yeah, you know what? I hated my time in Kansas City. Yeah. It's so rare. It's so rare that players also, it feels like, don't come back and settle right. down and raise families. That's, that's how we're doing the show. Right. I mean, that's a, every single Monday, a former chief player that, that stayed here and settled down, sure. even if they were not from here. Right. What right. makes Kansas City just so special? I think it's the the alumni group that's here. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that's a part of it. I think the way that the – like you, you want to stay someplace that you feel like you're welcomed. Yeah. Right? So the organization welcomes you. Uh, they still – alumni just – had alumni game not too long ago. There's probably 80 guys, 80 to 100 guys that showed up at it, and you know, 50 guys, 50 to 60 live right here in Kansas City. Yeah. So there are a ton of guys that just stay around. Whether it's uh, businesses, uh, do a little bit of everything, but yeah. it is a fantastic place to, to be. Yeah. Uh, again, we're here live at Hollywood Casino at Kansas Speedway. Keith Cash is our guest. We will take a quick break. Come back on the KC Legend Show right here, ESPN Kansas City and Sports Radio 810. Welcome back to the KC Legend Show right here. Sports Radio 810 WHB and ESPN at Kansas City. Again, live here at Hollywood Casino at Kansas Speedway. We will be here until 7 p.m. Former Chiefs tight end Keith Cash is our guest. Dylan, the producer, I think just uh, decided he wanted to grab something nice back there. He's shaking his head hard. He, he can't defend himself. It's ginger ale, but Keith looked doesn't, over at him and it was... Doesn't look like ginger ale to did, me. I don't think he believed him. Doesn't look like ginger ale to me. Yeah, it looks like a, a, a Red Bull vodka to me. <laughs> you know, may, maybe I'm wrong. I've been wrong before, right? But uh, as a man, who's been in many casinos. <laughs> I'm not going to drink your drink, no. Dylan. No, I trust you. I trust you. See, it was, it was all a game though he just played because he knew that we weren't going right, to take a right, sip. Exactly. So that was, that was a smart exactly. move. Good move. Uh, no, I believe him. It's ginger ale uh, again. Keith Cash is here. I do want to talk a little bit about your college career as well as your brother because this is yeah. a very cool moment for you just your entire childhood then college then the nfl you were rivals at one point we'll get to that a little bit later on but what was it like playing with your brother in college at texas huge school and your teammates oh my gosh it was fantastic uh the guy that i played with the guy that i uh that we practiced our skills on it was pretty pretty cool to to grow up with a built-in playmate as well as uh, to get to college. And, and uh, he ended up a little bigger than I was, so they moved him to tight end. I'm the receiver. Another one of our, our high school buddies was another receiver. Uh, all we needed was our quarterback to show up at the University <laughs> of Texas, and we would have had all the, score, the, the, the offensive skill players wrapped up. 
But it was fantastic, you know, to play with your brother and to, to cheer him on and, and then to root against him when you played him in the pros. <laughs> I mean, to make it uh, same six-year career. Yeah. Um, the numbers was even fantastic. very similar, but I will Pretty say you, you had one more touchdown. Yep. Yep, he may have had another catch or two. Yeah, he had a couple well. more catches, yep. but you had yep. an extra yep. touchdown. And, and I made the playoffs there just, you go. just about every year. You made and sure you think, let him know that, oh, right? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. In college, what was that like? You know, was it a friend, friendly rivalry? Was it always rooting each other on? Was there any any bit of, I don't want to say like jealousy, but, you know, if, if playing time wasn't yeah. the exact same, was yeah. a little bit of, yeah. I don't know, I'm, I'm better than you. No, no, not really. Um, he actually got on the field. It's funny the way our, our lives and careers uh, uh, worked out. You know, growing up, he was a little better at football. I was better at basketball. He was better at baseball. Mm-hmm. I was better in track. And it was the same thing all the way up till we got to high school. He, I mean, you look at our points per game to rebounds to everything. It's almost identical. <laughs> so there wasn't any – there was some competition there. Sure. And I think that's what uh, drove both of us to be uh, as good a players as we can be. Yeah. Is because, you know, that's my competition. My brother's doing this. I, won't, I don't want to get overlooked. Uh, you know, whether it's the, you know, these cute girls that are kind of looking at you <laughs> if you score, you know, the, the, the girls like the long ball, you don't know all that stuff. They like touchdowns too. They like points in basketball. Sure. So you have to get as many and play as well as you can. Yeah. And you know what? To, to play with my brother and cheer him on, it really was. It turned into a competition. Everything we did was a, was a competition. And I think that's what, uh, spurred our athletic success was to have that competition and making everything a, a, a competition. Um, I think that's what, what spurred us on to, to some success. I know in 1995 you went and joined the Raiders, right? So yeah. you're here in Kansas City, so you have that rivalry. Uh-huh. What was it like going up against him? It was it was weird, um, only because, you know, I'm looking at it uh, – he was one of the guys I was probably cutting Neil, so I sure. had to go get someone else. So he's trying to take out my take out my my defensive end. Uh, but you know what? You you cheer for him when you're not playing him. Sure, you want him to do well. Uh, but at the end of the day, if it's you or me, uh, it's going to be me. I'm going to I'm going to get mine, and I want my team to, to win. Uh, whether he had, uh, you know, the the, the best. Outcome would be he scores five touchdowns and we w- and I score six. Sure, and 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 we win by you know we win by three. Yeah, you know that's that's the best outcome. And uh, it was funny to see uh, Miss Kelsey with her split yeah. jerseys because my mom used to do the same thing, uh, and my family would come with their split jerseys and stuff on. So it, it was it was pretty cool. It was uh, uh, obviously something that we'll both remember for the rest of our lives. Yeah. Since you played at Texas, they're now heading into the SEC. What were your thoughts on this? That this conference realignment, you know, yeah. this is this is huge. Yeah, yeah. Is it, I think, it, I, you excited? I, Are you disappointed? I am. <laughs> I am excited. You know, I'm, I'm a little disappointed in that some of these regional uh, battles with different teams aren't going to be there anymore. Uh, but we're also bringing on a couple teams that have left. Uh, from Texas A&M, that was one of the rivals when I was in school, and they left since, and now we're going to come back together. Uh, Arkansas, um, you know, at the end of the day, this it's all about dollars, yeah. right? So if you want to be the best that you can be on the field, 
I think you have to align yourself in a conference that's going to give you more money back and has the visibility uh, that maybe you can't get in some of these smaller conferences. My one concern here is Texas has been building back, building back to, to the, the trying to get back to the pinnacle, right? Sure. You know, they had a few down years as uh, me as a Mizzou alum. I, I don't mind pointing out because they always like to say, oh, we're this, 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 and this. Right, and you look right, at the records, right. you're like, I don't know, man. You, yeah. you live in the glory days yeah, over here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, but now they're moving into what is a more winnable conference in the Big 12, and mm-hmm. now they're going into the SEC, which you mentioned Arkansas. You mentioned A&M. But then you have Georgia. Sure. You have Alabama. Sure. Tennessee. Um, you know, even Ole Miss yeah. a few years. Florida some years. Right. As a former alum, I know you're, you're excited about the money and the visibility, mm-hmm. but as far as the potential chance to get to a, a title here, doesn't that almost make it a little harder? I don't think so. I mean, sooner or later you're going to have to take those guys on anyways. Sure. You know, whether it's in the playoffs now or – uh, you know, playing them during the season. At the end of the day, all these leagues are top-heavy. There's a couple teams at the top, and then you have a couple t- – you know, the majority of them are average, and then you have some that are at the bottom. The SEC is no different. Yeah. You have Alabama, you have Georgia now, and you have maybe an LSU or somebody. Yeah. There's going to be a team that challenges them from year to year. Uh, heck, Mizzou's having a good yeah. year now. I mean, they're they lost, just lost. They had a chance. <laughs> but, I mean, if you think about it, um, I think it's going to attract more recruits, better players. Texas gets good players already, but to get a, you know, Archie Manning, is that because he would have been in the, I think the SEC ties has something to do with that. Sure. Which tells me that we are going to get a, uh, good players that we've been getting and some that maybe we wouldn't have had a chance to get. Yeah. So I think, you know, with all that, are we going to compete? Uh, year in and year out, I like to think we will at some point because they're getting pretty doggone good. Yeah, and we busted Alabama. I know that Alabama's, uh, uh, you know, some say are down, but we just play who's in front of us. Yeah, and we knocked them off. Yeah, uh, knocked off Georgia a couple years ago. So, I mean, can Texas compete? Yeah, they can compete. Um, do we have to get better at every single position to compete? <laughs> Week in, week out in that conference, yeah, we got to get better. Uh, Keith Cash, again, is our guest. We'll be here live at Hollywood Casino at Kansas Speedway. Did you ever play in Germany or overseas in the NFL? I know Nick Lowry, he said he played a game in Germany with the Chiefs. I'm trying to figure out what year that was because I'm stuck here saying that has to be so hard for the players. None of this is over. You can't make the excuse about travel. But I thought, how much can you take away from a game where you've not done this before? you got to travel 10 hours. You know, there was different game plans. Miami got over there early. Right. Chiefs went there Thursday afternoon, and then they flew directly back. I don't know how much you can take away in the, the actual toll mentally and physically it takes yeah. on a player here. We played a, a preseason game against okay. Minnesota in Tokyo, Japan, back when I played. And I remember, you know, you get there... And I think Japan was probably a lot further, maybe, sure. than, than Germany was. It seems farther. Uh, it seems farther. <laughs> Absolutely. As a matter of fact, if you s- dig straight down, you're going to hit Japan on the other side of the world, <laughs> yeah. right? I think I, mean, I, I saw that in a cartoon, yeah. yeah. Um, but, man, your body and how it reacts to uh, the jet lag. And, and the good thing about us is we got over early, and we had several practices. We used joint practices. It was preseason so it was more training camp vibe sure um 
and then you know at the end of the day you you play the game and uh but i remember coming back and just being off for a few days sure so i think the the you get through the game and the aftermath so i'm glad we you know we'll have a couple days the bye uh, here is this a bye week this is a bye week okay so this is huge for Kansas City. Then. Yeah, if, if, yeah, absolutely. If, if that's your experience where it's almost the aftermath is the harder aspect here. Yes. You'd yes. much rather be in the Chiefs' shoes absolutely. having the buy. You have time off. Then they play the Eagles, obviously, which is going to be a uh, it's a big one. It I is mean, a big one. It, it's interesting because it's not big in the grand scheme because you're playing an NFC opponent, right? right? I mean, the Chiefs' first loss this season was to the Lions. And I go, if you're going to have a loss, yeah. that's the one to have it against. Sure. Again, uh, seeding schedule-wise, not a huge game. But as far as where you stack up, right. this is a big, big game. It really is. It really is. It kind of gives us an opportunity to uh, use them as our measuring stick, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, even though we we beat them last year, they are still one of the front runners as far as the NFC goes, and and I think everyone's picking them out of the NFC. Maybe, yeah, uh, yeah I don't know who else. San Fran was at one point, and was they, they fallen off it was a, a little bit. Big, big hard was yes. Uh, yes. Detroit looks good, but they still look a little at times. Yeah. The Ravens semi exposed them, but right. again, how much right. great credence you put yeah. to one game with the Chiefs lost to the Broncos? Exactly, so. exactly. So. Uh, from a uh, just a measuring stick standpoint, I think it comes at a, at the right time, at a good time for us. We have to turn the corner uh, offensively, defensively is playing great. Uh, it's a good test for our defense to see yeah. where they're at, uh, see if we can stop that tush push. Off <laughs> <laughs> uh, defensively, I mean they get after the quarterback. Uh, secondary's not as strong as it was probably last year, yeah. but still a very good good defense, uh, a good team all around, and I think it's going to be a good test. Well, that was going to be my next point here is the secondary for the Eagles has actually been the uh, weak point maybe for that team. Yeah. If you want to say it's a weak point sure. for that defense, well, that means the Chiefs and those wide receivers have to get open. <laughs> this is going to be, again, the measuring stick test. they got to get open against they those do. guys. They do. But, but I want to go back and talk about the Chiefs' defense because I, I do think there's something to this not being a fluke. You know, the first four or five games of the season, you say, okay, it's a good stretch. Right. Then you talked about, okay, well, who do they really play? You know, right. they didn't play some great offenses. Yeah. But you look now, you're, you're sitting here November 6th, uh, opponents points per game. Second in the NFL, 15.9 points per game given up. And, of course, a lot of that comes from poor field, uh, field position given to them from the offense. At sure, times. sure. Uh, opponents' yards per game, fourth against, 288 yards against them. So there's no wonky outline right. numbers here. They're not forcing a ton of turnovers that skew this. Uh, you look at the red zone scoring against them. Touchdown percentage against them, 17th. Wow. So, again, it's not like they're sitting here just stuffing every single team in the red zone. This, to me, screams... This is a legitimate defense. Sure. There's no wonky numbers here, and this is who they are. Yeah, absolutely. I think the measuring stick is uh, scoring. Yeah. How many points are teams scoring? It's 15 points. That's that's nothing. I know the that's NFL's nothing. down this year offensive-wise, yeah. but, but still, in this era, yes. that's absurd. With the uh, challenges that defenses, defenses have, uh, going after the quarterback, we talked about yeah. that earlier. With the uh, defensive backs putting their hands on and having some limitations there, I think to hold the team to 15 points is 
insane. Yeah. It is insane, especially looking at where this defensive has come over the last four or five years. Yeah. And then you talk about the offense, okay? We've talked about the defense and how good they yeah. are. This is who they are, I think, sure. going forward. We, we believe in this defense. Yeah. Again, it's a weird construction. As if we, You would not say if, so, if there were offensive ranks or defensive ranks and you heard second and fourth, you'd think, okay, that's the offense. And if you heard 12th and 7th, well, that's a pretty good job by the defense. Yeah, for well, sure. it's the opposite. The yeah. offense right now is 12th in points per game, 23.1, and they are 7th in yards per game, 368.7. They were actually 4th before they played Miami. Mm-hmm. Then they dropped down to 7th. So this tells me at least a little bit here. Sure. There's some regression to the mean, positive regression to the mean. The yardage is outpacing the points scored. You look at the red zone conversion. Uh, touchdown percentage, they're 15th, okay. right? So they're, they're still trailing the points per game scored right here. They've had a lot of untimely turnovers. And let's be real now, special teams has made a lot of mistakes yeah. when it comes to fielding punts here in positioning. Sure, <laughs> sure, sure. But, again, this to me, if I'm trying to be positive here, I'm trying to be uh, a little more optimistic here. Again, the yards per play, fourth in the NFL this year. That's a really good metric to typically go off of, of long-term Explosive. success. Yep. But we are so used we're so used to seeing the Chiefs always be one right. and clearly one. Yep. So when they drop down to top ten, mm-hmm. I think we're all panicking. Do you think there's a little over-panicking going on, or is it still um, a reason for this? So I think that I panic. I'm going to be honest with you. There's times during this year that I've been like, man, what is going on here? And you start to panic a little bit. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, I have the utmost trust in what Andy's doing and what these coaches are doing to get these guys ready to play. Uh, The fact that we're winning with defense uh, and the offense is struggling a little bit, they're going to figure it out sooner or later. Yeah. Right? So the fact that they're the, the the onus is on the defense playing well, I would argue to say that we probably could have two more losses. Sure. If the defense isn't as good as it is. <laughs> yeah. So they, man, they're showing out. And when the offense catches up, and they will catch up, uh, they're going to be pretty hard to beat. We've all been saying this. Again, Keith Cash is our guest right here at Hollywood Casino at Kansas Speedway. We've all been saying for a while now, I mean, pretty much since week one, the offense is going to figure it out. And I'm with you because they deserve the benefit of the doubt. When you have Andy Reid Mahomes and you've perpetually been so good offensively, you do think they will figure it out. But at what week, at what point will you sit here and say, you know what, maybe this is who they are? You know what, the reason I say that they will figure it out, they have really good players. Yeah. They just haven't, you know, the young players just haven't quite grasped what we're trying to do yet. So, you know, whether it's Sky Moore, uh, who has a year under his belt, I would expect more from him. Uh, Rice is right there. Yeah. You know, he's he's dropped a few passes, but my goodness, this kid gets a ball in his hands, and he is trying to score, yeah. like, every single time. So I think, and Patrick, uh, he's been a little off. Maybe he's trying to do too much. He's had some, you know, some interceptions and some... Uh, you know, a fumble sure. this past week. Yeah. There are things that we do that not typical. They're not typical things. And if they were typical things that we were doing every week, Patrick doesn't turn the ball over that much. Sure. I mean, if you look at his, his history. Uh, so if, if, if you take those things away and they start playing the way that they can play, 
I think that the numbers, the offense gets better and the defense probably stays the same. It, it seems at times, you know, the NFL has transitioned, right? The defenses will eventually catch up because you saw the explosion offensively a few years ago. Again, around the NFL, scoring is slightly down. Sure. The too high safety, the have defense, I don't want to say figured out Patrick, but I'm saying in the, just offenses in general. I mean, you watched Josh Allen last night and Joe Burrow. That's not the explosion of offense that we all expected. You saw Tua Tagovailoa in that offense against the Chiefs. That was not the explosion. Jalen Hurts, incredible last year. He struggled the first few games of the sure. season this year throwing the ball. He's a little bit better, better now. Right. But, again, is this a case of maybe we have a little too high of expectations and do we need to give some more credit to defenses for – figuring out this new trend offensively. Yeah, I think that they, I don't want to say they've figured it out. Sure. I think that they've slowed it down. They've found a way to keep uh, keep the defenses uh, or keep the offenses at bay, you know, to make them, I would imagine that if we look at the number of plays, how long drives are, it will indicate that the drives, instead of a six-play drive, maybe the average is more eight, nine plays now. Yeah. Because you don't have those explosive plays. You have to dink and dunk and that's mm-hmm. that's kind of it's against what a Patrick Mahomes wants to do he wants yeah. to push the ball downfield and that's why maybe he holds the ball a little longer and maybe that's why uh he may get hit a little more than than he has been in the past um so I think at the end of the day I don't think the defenses are catching up I think they've done a good job of slowing offenses down yeah when it comes to when you were taking that next step, you said the Steelers helped uh, mold you into the tight end. They helped, they helped you grow as a player. What year was it when you started to really figure out, okay, this is who I am, this is coming slower to me, I'm, I'm, I'm not panicking out there anymore? Right. What, what year was that? Because I know everyone wants the, the answer from you know Rasheed Rice and Sky Moore mm-hmm. and Noah Gray and just, just the offense in general. What year was that for you? I would say year two is okay. when I started to figure it out. Um, and these guys are so athletic, and you wonder why in the heck that it would take so long for these guys to slow down and do what it is that they do, what they've been doing their whole lives. Yeah. Right. It, it it's kind of kind of odd that there is a moment where you just have to. Uh, first of all, the ball, everything's coming at you. There's so much to learn, uh, just from an X's and O standpoint, and to make adjustments on the fly. Uh, maybe in maybe in college, if it was this coverage, you ran this route. Well, a lot of stuff in the pros, it's moving, and guys trying to trying to disguise, and you have to see it live. It's different when you're watching it on film. It's sure. easy to watch stuff on film, <laughs> but you get out there, line up, and now the safety uh, isn't moving when the ball. He's moving more when the ball snapped, and not before. There's sure. no pregame, pre pre snap stuff going on. And they end up in a totally different coverage than than where they started out. Sure. So there is a that takes a while to get through and to decipher and to you know learn how to watch film. There's a lot of things that God just being a pro that you have to go through that you know maybe it's uh, and it takes some guys longer. Yeah, I, I will. I will say for Rasheed Rice, what stands out to me is his ability already to find the soft spot in zone coverage. That to me has stood out as a rookie. That's very impressive. And a lot of times you don't see that from rookie wide receivers. I do want to talk to you about Noah Gray again, yeah. former Chiefs head in Keith yeah. Cash is our guest. So let's talk about Noah Gray here. Yeah. So, where do you see him fitting in this year? 
the future? Is he the heir apparent to Travis Kelsey? I'm not saying he's going to be Travis right, Kelsey. I'm right. saying is he the next in line to be a starter here? Is he a long-term backup? Because I've, I've liked his progression sure. from his rookie year until now. I think he's someone that they trust. And they trust him to go out and do some things that Travis does, even though he's not going to do them as well as Travis does them. Um, I think that as a – he's a good receiver. He's kind of small. He's not going to knock anyone off the ball. He's not that guy. But he's the closest uh, replacement that we have on the roster right now. Yeah, We've had um, – what's the guy that keeps getting hurt? Can't uh, think of his Jody name. Fortson. Fortson. Yeah. Good player, looks great uh, in pads, big guy, old, used to be a receiver. Yeah. That's the closest thing to, to Kelsey we have, but he can't stay can't stay healthy. Um, so I think that uh, Noah Gray is kind of a jack-of-all-trades. He's a good enough blocker. Um, he's a good receiver, runs good routes, catches the ball, does all the things you want him to do. Uh, you know, who knows if he is a long-term backup? It just depends on how long Travis plays, right? Yeah. So, and who knows? I mean, Travis I mean, is going. This is the first year. I mean, he had some injury issues early on. Sure. But the guy is durable, so I could see him playing a few more years. A little Tony G style. Tony G style. Hopefully, it's not somewhere else. <laughs> no, 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 no. Yeah. Okay. Let, yeah. let me rephrase that. The longevity, the longevity. of Tony G. Absolutely. But, but have Absolutely. it happen all here. In Kansas City, I think number fifteen might throw a fit if they tried to let him go. Yeah, I don't think I, would I don't think that's I don't think it would happen. go over too well. No, no. no. Uh, we will take a quick break as we are here live at Hollywood Casino at Kansas Speedway again. Keith Cash is our guest. Quick break. KC Legend Show, ESPN Kansas City and Sports Radio eight ten WHB. Welcome back to KC Legend Show right here, ESPN Kansas City and Sports Radio 810 WHB. Again, I am Sterling Holmes here live at Hollywood Casino at Kansas Speedway. Once again, Keith Cash, former Chiefs tight end, is our guest. Before I let you get out of here, let's talk a little bit about the Monday night football game, Chargers and Jets, coming up in just a moment. Jets at home, Chargers on the road, Chargers sitting here at 3-4, and four, Jets 4-3, four and three. I don't uh-huh. think... Um, a lot of people thought this would be their records. One, they would have thought Aaron Rodgers would have them better than four and three. But when he went <laughs> sure, down, sure. I, I think four and three is pretty good. But with, with, that's with really Zach good Wilson, yeah. and then you have the Chargers here, three and four. It feels like they are perpetually underperforming. They're getting a little hotter though right now. But, are they? Eh. Are they getting hotter? <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to be nice. It's, yeah, yeah, yeah. They got coaching issues. Yeah, is that what you think it is? I think ch- it is. I mean, that that guy. Puts them in some bad spots. Yeah, I think you know, just watching the analytics of this game and just overthinking things. I think sure. he's a. I've said Nimrod a couple times. <laughs> Throw it a third. I don't even know what a Nimrod <laughs> is, but he he seems like the perfect definition of one. Really quickly, just because it also goes back to Kansas City and the Chiefs here. At, at times, are, are coaches over flooded with information here? With so many numbers, so many analytical aspects and viewpoints to a game. I'm not saying it's bad. Sure. You obviously got to pick and choose which one works for you. Right. But just say the Chiefs, for example, right? Mm-hmm. Let's say those third and shorts. Yeah. At, at times, it feels like they're overthinking, yeah. right? Yeah. Brandon Steely was overthinking, it seems sure. like, every sure. single game. But yeah. Andy Reid's great until it's third and short. Then it yeah. seems like he overthinks. Yeah. Is that what you think is going on here? I think there's a – so what do what most teams do on third and short? You, you do the quarterback sneak, or you run it. <laughs> oh, you quarterback run, yeah. sneak. You don't yeah. do the. You don't get cute and run all yes. the stuff outside, inside. Um, I think his injury 
has stifled this offense on third down, <laughs> uh, third and one, third and short. Sure. Uh, whereas, you know, before you just – Patrick is a big guy. Yes. The middle, the interior of that offensive line is pretty doggone good. Mm-hmm. Like, I like to think that if we need a half yard or a yard, then yeah. we can get it. Uh, but the fact that we don't try it anymore after uh, someone stepped on his ankle uh, back three or four years ago, yep. I think that that has – uh, single-handedly screwed up our short yardage offense forever. But we also have uh, some of these plays, some of the creativity that comes to mind. Sure. He's done that uh, – it's it's great when they when they work, yes. <laughs> and not, and you're, we're sitting here scratching our heads when they don't. work. Yeah, it, it just seems like this year more than the past yes. they have not worked. I always say if you want to surprise teams' defenses that the Chiefs are playing, run a halfback dive. Yeah, don't run even run middle. a QB sneak. Run a halfback. Yeah. They, they will not expect Pacheco going up the middle. <laughs> you're right, you're right about that. Uh, all right, so going back to tonight's game, Chargers Jets. We talked about the coaching issues yeah. for the Chargers, the Jets. Zach Wilson, I don't want to say is a good quarterback by any means, but he's he's done better than I think people want to give yeah. him credit for at times. What do you think about tonight's game? I think that he's bought some more time in this league, you know, by how he's played this this year. I like Chargers, man. They have better offensively. Uh, they have an ability to score more points, even though they're not doing it right now. I think they overthink it. They have a very good quarterback with some good receivers. Throw the ball down the field. Give it to Eckler. Um, uh, unleash Bosa, and I think they'll win this game. I have the Chargers tonight, too, covering the three-point spread, but I always laugh. They've changed coaches. Yep. They've changed quarterbacks. They've changed cities. They still find ways to charge it. It's, it's yes, what they, they do. do. Yes, it's they what do. they yes, do. They do. Uh, again, Keith Cash, former Chiefs tight end, was our guest as we were here live at Hollywood Casino. Keith, really appreciate it, man. Yeah, thanks for having me. Great time. Up next will be the Jets and Chargers. Take it away right here, ESPN Kansas City and Sports Radio 810 WHB.